year is 1983 when a mysterious event happened in the quiet town of Hawkins, Indiana. We're Shalom and Courtney, the Happy Hipsters, and we'll be your hosts as we follow the disappearance of a boy, the release of a monster, and the future consequences of the events that night. You're listening to Almost Nerdy. This is Hawkins Talkins. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome. We are so excited that you're here. Yeah, we are starting a new series, Hawkins Talkins. Hawkins Talkins. All about Stranger Things. All about it. All about it. So we are going to be doing this a little bit differently. If you have followed our previous podcast where we went through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. We went movie by movie. But we felt like Stranger Things has such depth and such just like fun nerdiness throughout the entire thing that we were like we're gonna do this a little bit differently so every two episodes of stranger things equals one episode of hawkins talkins yes yes this is very exciting very exciting i I like the new format i think breaking away from the intensity of marvel (laughs) (laughs) we had a crazy week basically it's been insane just watching endgame but we're excited to now move on to something that is a bit more nerdier yes it's 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 got it's go it goes deep i'm a little nervous i'll be honest because i am the almost nerdy of (laughs) the almost of almost nerdy and i'm just like okay this is i'm just gonna be like listening to courtney and being like that's so interesting (laughs) you know not not pretending but i actually find i love lord of the rings i love the music from the 80s i love the dressing from the 80s but i think that like i'm out of my depth so you're gonna be the expert our resident expert (laughs) resident expert with all the interesting facts yes so get ready for this it's gonna be very fun so This is how we're going to break it down. Before we had competed in our two-sentence summary, but we decided that we're going to switch it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. One of us will swap off every week who is going to do the two-sentence summary, and the other person is going to grade it. Judge. Yes. Or judging. Be a judger. (laughs) (laughs) And we decided, instead of doing the nerd scale, because it is basically just like one big series, Instead, we are going to do class superlatives. So each episode, we will be picking a character to, mm-hmm. and giving them a superlative. Yes, I'm I, I'm excited for the superlatives. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So also, this is something that you really should listen to in order and not skip around. Like mm-hmm. the previous one, I feel like you could have skipped around, but this mm-hmm. one you definitely have to listen to in order. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you have seen all of Stranger Things because mm-hmm. we're going... It's hard to do the story without kind of referencing the end or later parts. So we're going to try our best to just focus on the episodes that we're discussing. Yeah. But it's kind of hard because it is one big story. It is. So we're going to try our best. Today's episode is on Stranger Things Season 1, Chapters 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah, very, very exciting. I, I think when I first, when we first watched it, I wasn't into this. I wasn't into it. I was kind of like, okay, this is going to be predictable. It's going to be like the same old, same old. But chapter one and two, after chapter two, I was like, okay, this is a little different. Mm-hmm. This is a little different. I was like, there's certain things that I was expecting to happen. When you watch like a horror movie, I was like, wow, like it's going to be the typical monsters eating people every time. <laughs> but I found myself kind of debating with myself and I was like, is this 
real or not or are people like just imagining stuff Mm -hmm. because they they almost like they don't just reveal what's eating people what's killing people or what's chasing you know will it's almost like metaphorical kind of like Mm -hmm. you're almost going like is this a metaphorical type of situation because there are a number of shows that we know that are like that like the OA yeah I still don't know if it's real or not I still don't know what happened in that show right and so (laughs) and so I found myself scratching my head a little bit and that's what grabbed my interest it's gonna be fun okay are you ready to go into the episode Mm mm-hmm okay let's start with two sentence summary it is my turn this time my two sentence summary of yeah. episode one and two is sometimes you just want mornings to be for coffee and contemplation, but then Joyce Byers ends up in your office saying that her kid is missing. Say goodbye to Benny and Barb because it's a bad day to have a name that starts with the letter B. <laughs> <laughs> the letter B. The letter B. <laughs> How would you grade my Benny. two sentence summary? Bye, Benny. <laughs> so, so we should like. I'm just going to name the scientist at the beginning, Billy, so that it's just like, they're all bees. The what? Oh, that scientist. That scientist. In the very, in first, the very scene. first scene. Yeah, his name, his is, name Billy. is Billy. <laughs> We're naming him Billy. Sorry, Billy. <laughs> so, Billy, Benny, and Bob. Yeah. Oh. Sad face. Sad, <laughs> sad face. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I, I like it. I really like it. I think it's it's cool storytelling there. Like, I, I wanted to just, I wanted to judge, but, like, it's so good. It's really good. It's really good. I think that you captured the first two episodes really well, you know. And I love the coffee and contemplation part. <laughs> That's, That's my cool. favorite part. I love coffee and I love contemplation. I need one of those mugs that they sell yeah. that says coffee and contemplation on it. Yeah. <laughs> I need that. Absolutely. Okay. Are you ready to move on to our class superlatives? Superlatives. Hit me. Okay, today we are giving a class superlative to Barb. Mm. What superlative Mm. would you give Barb? I would say Barb is the most likely to be a politician. Okay. She just strikes me as a politician. She's confident. She does have a moment of weakness when she tries to open the can Mm. with a knife. I don't even know what that was about. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing. But... That's how you shotgun beers. (laughs) Shotgun beers. I'm like, why? Just drink it fast. Uh, <laughs> and the hole is probably bigger anyways. So, she, yeah, she has a moment of weakness. But generally, she seems to have this like, hey, Nancy, that's not you. That's not who you are. That's, there's a confidence about her. I think eventually she would, she would if she lived, she would, she would become popular. She would become like a popular person mm. because of just her, her confidence. I can see that like when college, when you go to college, I think personalities like that thrive. Yeah, because they're so true. BA about life. Yeah, you know. So yeah. See, when I hear politicians, though, I think like kind of like smarmy or like you know shaking hands just to like get their way. Yeah, that's not the vibe you're going for, though. It's not. I, Are you I'm, thinking, I'm thinking more like more. like Leslie Nope? Yes, or okay. Cortez, or these new like this new breed of politicians. Mm. I think they've changed what being a politician is. Mm. Won't go into that, but. I think that, like, there's this... I don't know, like, it's the millennial politician. Yes. Gotcha. That's okay. actually a better way to say that. Okay. Yeah. I would give Barb most likely to actually be Jiminy Cricket. Because I think <laughs> she has a very, very strong moral compass. And I think that she is confident enough to be like, Hey, do we really want to do that? 
Like, do we really want to make this decision? Mm. Things like that. Mm. And Nancy's kind of a jerk about it. But I also get that. Like, I feel like when you're a teenager and like mm. you just like you just want to do you. Like, you're like you know the smart thing, mm. but you're also like super impulsive because mm-hmm. you're a teenager. So you're yeah. like all of my emotions all yeah. the time. <laughs> all of my all my emotions. I need it now. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> So moving on from oh superlatives. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so the way I was thinking, since this is like the first two episodes, mm-hmm. I was thinking that we could kind of go through each character as they're introduced because one mm-hmm. of the things that I really love about this show is I think that they use such creative storytelling mm. to not just like tell you this is how a character is, but it's like through other interactions, through mm. different things, you really get a feel for these different characters. Hmm. So, do you want to start with kids, teens, or adults? Wow. I think let's go backwards. Let's go adults, teens, kids. Okay, we'll do yes. that. Okay, let's start with Hopper. Hopper. <laughs> I, I love his, his introduction. Yes. You know, like laying on the couch, <laughs> steps out, is on the deck, you know, just like, <laughs> whatever, man. <laughs> And then the coffee and contemplation. <laughs> Mornings of a coffee and contemplation. <laughs> and I think I think he they really did a great job introducing him and kind of mm-hmm. showing his attitude a little bit. Yeah. He, he he in a way comes off as a jerk. Yeah. But he's not. I was not expecting to like him. Right. In the beginning. But he's not. As as you begin to like get to know him and even his introductions with his deputies. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, you can see, like, oh, he's actually a nice guy. Yeah. So, so yeah, like, I think it was a great introduction. Very creative how they did that. And also, he says cool things. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> My initial reaction to Hopper was he reminded me so much of the cop from Jaws. And that initial scene when mm. he's coming in, it felt just like when... Um, Officer Brody was walking into the office and his assistant is there and she's like, the kids are karate chopping the fences. <laughs> that is literally... Okay, I love Jaws. Jaws is one of my favorite, favorite movies of all time. I cannot even tell you how many times I watched that. So mm. even his uniform, the way uh-huh. it looks, the the fact that he used to work in the city and now he's in a small town, mm-hmm. a lot of that was just very reminiscent. Mm. And you see that a lot in this show. There's mm. a lot of like pulls from different like older movies and i think that was definitely a nod to jaws right there Mm -hmm. which made me kind of like him a little bit more because i was like well i like brody like Mm. i guess hopper can be the same yeah but yeah Yeah. you know you get that gruff feel Mm. but i feel like when they're doing the search party and Mm. the teacher comes up to him and he's saying like oh maybe i'll get your kid in my class hopper walks away he's like yeah she's with her mom and, and then the woman comes up and is like, yeah, his daughter passed away a few years ago. I think yeah. you kind of get that a little bit. Like, yeah. oh, he is the way that he is because something tragic has happened. Mm. And, like, obviously his wife isn't with him anymore. Like, mm-hmm. he has had something tragic happen recently. Yeah. So something bad happened. And, and yeah, definitely he, he has that, like, runaway mm. person type of vibe. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest, Hawkins fits him. Mm-hmm. It really fits him. I'm struggling to imagine him as a city cop. Right. I'm really struggling. In like New York City, it's it's just not like all the city cop movies or series that I've watched. I'm like, dude, you don't fit that <laughs> at all. Yeah, and then you also get kind of like moving into Joyce Byers. You get that <laughs> sense like, 
oh, there was like a relationship there at one point. Mm. So it's like you can tell that he grew up in Hawkins, then mm. he moved to the city and he, he's come back home. Mm. But he's come back home a very different man. So mm. moving on to Joyce. <laughs> what, how do we feel about Joyce? Oh, like Joyce, I struggle to like Joyce. She's a little intense. She's very She's intense. She's very, very intense. She's very intense. But I appreciate the actor so much. Winona Ryder. Is the, act, the acting, when Harper walks into his office, mm-hmm. the look that Joyce had, I cannot, it's going to haunt me forever. It's like that crazy, like, like I, I can't even describe it. I don't even know how to describe it. It's amazing acting. That's some of the best acting I've ever seen. And then the whole time, like with, you know, honey, son, I miss you. Come back. Come back. <laughs> it was like so good. She made mm. like it, it was really it was really like great acting. And you can mm-hmm. see that she's a pro. Everyone else I kind of get used to over time. But Winona Ryder immediately her character is convincing. Her yeah. dressing, yeah. her mannerism, her like <laughs> like her grabbing the chair, the couch and just yeah. scooching it across <laughs> like, I'm like, what? Remember <laughs> when when phones had cords? How terrible. Oh my that was? gosh. That was terrible. <laughs> I remember being a kid. I remember being a kid. It was like you'd want to like be talking to your friend, and like you kind of didn't want your parents to overhear, and you'd like try to like scooch around the corner or something, but you're like attached to this phone cord, and you'd be like, <laughs> like I'm like I'm trying to gossip about my friends right now, and I don't want my mom to hear me. <laughs> I yeah, growing up, my my brothers and I, we used to steal the phone and call girls and stuff like that. So, like so my so my my parents they put the phone in a it's, it's like a box like a cage it's like a cage oh my gosh we basically hacked the phone so that it could still call people and then finally my parents were like you guys are still calling like because they saw the bill like you're still calling people and they took the phone into the bedroom locked it in the bedroom and i'll never forget this my brother he bought a phone a whole phone and just connected it in we would call girls whatever and then Put it away. And my uh, parents... <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. I don't remember getting caught. All I know is that we we, uh, we had a black market phone. <laughs> a black market <laughs> phone that we used to... We used to call our peeps. So, you're the yeah. worst. Okay, back on topic. Back on topic. So, Joyce, I feel like you can... A, you can tell from our home, like, obviously, like, lower income than the mm. other parents that we've seen. Like, the Wheelers. Yeah. Their house is, like, very nice, very, yeah. like, middle class. And mm. then we get we get to the buyers and it's it's clearly like outdated. Like mm. when you look at the furniture and everything, outdated. She has to ask for an advance, a two week advance. And even that the fact intense. that she says that like she works, she's like, I've worked Thanksgiving, I've worked mm. Christmas Eve, like I've like worked ten years. Holiday. Yeah. I've been at this grocery store for ten years and like she's yelling at Lonnie on the phone, her ex husband. So yeah. it's like you've got that going on. I just think that like yeah. She looks so broken, which mm. is why I think the rest of the series is so incredibly surprising to me because they really set her up as like like mm-hmm. she's really been like hit hard by life. She's mm. like not in a great place. Yeah. And she's got these two boys that she's trying to take care of. And she's trying her best. Mm. So it's like yeah. you almost don't expect her to have the fight that she does in her. 
You don't. You don't. Until the scene when the monster starts to come out of the wall. All the lights mm. are going crazy in the house and the monster starts coming out of the wall. And she runs into the car. And then, uh, should I stay or should I go, comes on. Yeah. And it's like, in that moment, she's like, she no. <laughs> like, I'm staying. And that was when I was mm. like, okay, like, she's... I had this initial feeling about mm. her, but she's actually much, much stronger. She's actually one of my favorite characters in the mm. whole show. I, I thought she was going to die. I remember that was my prediction. That was my, my yeah. big prediction. For me, I was just like, yeah, she's going to die first. She's definitely going to die first of the characters that were, that were being introduced. And I remember seeing her walking back into the house. I was like, first of all, I'm a, I'm a black man. And as a black man, we do not if lights are flickering in a house i'm not gonna follow the lights to see where it's going i don't care what reason it is i'm going the opposite direction like don't (laughs) but but she she goes in and then the monster starts coming out i'm like i told you and then she runs off and then she goes back in i'm like you're going back in and i was like okay i need to know i need to know what's going on and i think that that really impressed me Okay, we also get, like, a minor introduction in this one to Dr. Brenner, a.k.a. Papa. Papa. What do you think about him? Ugh, I'm just like, that guy's a weasel. Um, a weasel. <laughs> it's a weasel. <laughs> I'm so specific. Okay. <laughs> I'm dying right now. Okay. <laughs> Go. Keep going. Yeah, I, I don't like him. The way he treated Eleven, uh-huh. L, was just horrible horrible but there's a twist to how he did it he had guards that would carry her and throw her and toss her Mm. but he himself he never actually does it yeah there's a softness about him Mm. that is creepy Mm -hmm. at the same time it's like does this guy have a twisted version of this relationship ah which as as you watch it on maybe you know i'm i don't want to spoil it for people but that question gets yeah (laughs) hopefully you already know that as you as you watch it on, you will realize he actually had a certain level of care for mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. Twisted, but it was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think what I got from Brenner in these episodes is... And what I think I didn't really get the first time I watched it is... I didn't really understand that what was happening at Hawkins Lab was like the now. Like literally, mm. L opened the portal Mm. opened like the dimensional portal Mm. that we see in the i think it's in the second episode Mm. we they actually take all the guards down there and they look at it Mm -hmm. and i didn't realize like how close everything was in proximity like will's house is actually really close to the lab Mm -hmm. he actually lives really close to that which is why the monster was able to like come through and in the all the wood like that's why everything was happening in those woods right there because the Mm. woods that he goes right by like, that's next to the lab. Mm. And so once the monster mm. got out, I think I was, like, just kind of confused about that with mm. the first time through because mm. I was, like, everything happened so fast. Mm. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that really annoys me about him is, like, hey, they're, like, listening in on all the phones in this town. So it's, like, they're doing yeah. something, like, mad sketchy. Mm. And they're just, like, listening in mm. on people to, like, make sure, mm. <laughs> like, nothing goes wrong. I'm, like, this is so weird. Mm. Yeah, that was that was mad mad sketchy. Yeah. And I also didn't really get like the paranoia at that time with like 
Russia and spying and all of that. Yeah. So I think after I watched the show, it, it made me do like a little bit of research into like the 80s and like what was going on then. And it's like, yeah, the, the, you had the Cold War. You had like all of that going on. Yep. So people yep. were really paranoid. Mm. But it also makes me wonder, like, is it ethical to have like a lab like that in like a small town? Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? No, it's not. It's definitely not. They were not ethical. I don't think they knew what they were getting themselves into. That's true. I don't think they thought, oh, they're monsters in there. They were probably looking for minerals or some sort of, like, weapon. Something some that they could weaponize and use. Well, they were weaponizing L. They were weaponizing L. They, they were, you're right. And I, th- and I think not that she could find, she could find anyone. Because she could find anybody. Yeah, I don't want to jump much. ahead too far. And so, it's not ethical. But I think that they did not fully disclose what they were actually trying to do. But That's also, true. at the same time, did they really know what they were going to like yeah. end up finding or even the experiments <laughs> where they aimed towards that yeah i get the part that made me the most angry though is when they show up at the buyer's house mm. and they've got all the like gear on they've got like their white like hazmat suits on yeah and i'm like like you guys yeah. are protecting yourselves yeah. But yet, you're not, like, you haven't warned anybody that, like, something bad happened. Like, you didn't even, like, try to evacuate the area or anything. You weren't. Yeah. They could have done anything. They could have been, like, uh, there was something, like, exploded at the lab. It's dangerous. Mm. Everybody needs to get out. Like, mm. they could have done that. But they, they don't. They try to keep it a secret. Because if they'd done anything like that, they would have been kicked out. Investigated, I guess. kicked out. Like, That's what true. did you do? Yeah. Well, they so, could have lied. You yeah. know what I mean? They could have been like gas leak. They could have been like yeah, they anything. could have they could have said anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could have said anything, anything. by sneaking around. <laughs> yeah, and also just the murder of Benny that they set up like a suicide. Mm. That was when I was like, okay, this organization is terrible. It's bad. Like it's terrible. It's bad. <laughs> I I wonder if he was acting under the government or if he was going rogue. I think he's going rogue. Yeah. Because I think he's getting personally invested. Yeah. Which is why I think even his relationship to Al is is like, okay, like this guy's getting, it's a little personal mm-hmm. than just, you know, government work. That's true. I feel like this is kind of a good transition to the teens since we're talking about like the closeness of, mm. of the area. So we've mm. got the party at Steve's house and that's how, that's yes. what happens to Barb. Mm. Mm. So. Steve. You want to talk about Steve? So, the first time I watched this series, I was like, Steve is a jerk. Yeah. This guy's a jerk. After watching both seasons yeah. and then going back, I'm seeing these little things where I'm like, he's actually not a jerk. Yeah. He's pretending to be a jerk. Yeah. Around his friends, but he's actually a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And that's why right. he's pursuing a girl like Nancy instead. Because right. we had Nancy, who's like super smart, you know straight-A student. Yeah. She has all of her extracurriculars. Like, he's making mm. fun of her for that. And he's, like, the bad boy. The bad boy. <laughs> but, yeah, I think the same thing. Because I think that as an audience, we're very susceptible to what other characters are telling us. So the yes. fact that Dustin is like, oh, he's dating that, like, D-bag Steve Harrington. <laughs> you know? So we already feel connected to the kids because they're mm. like so cute and funny mm. and so them saying like this guy that's the jerk, is a jerk. we're already going we're like- already we go in thinking this guy's a jerk mm. Mm. that's true but that's i true. also do know that steve harrington was supposed to be more of a jerk 
But once they casted the actor, they found him so charming that he, they were like, we want to keep him around. Yes. Yes. It's amazing. It's amazing how I'm hearing similar stories with epic stuff that epic shows, epic movies. Mm. You hear stories like that where the directors are very much like, we saw this person Mm -hmm. and we just loved him. We changed it for that person. Yeah. But I won't go too much down that road, but I think seeing that scene the first in Nancy's bedroom mm-hmm. where he's very he's respectful and he goes goes like yeah let's study and they actually study and I was like he didn't okay. want to study though no he didn't want to study <laughs> but the fact that he actually he doesn't he did he respect doesn't, her though when she does, was like no yeah he actually yeah respects her even though like what he like she eventually she's the one who said hey Basically, let's have sex yeah. right she's the one who 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 said let's do this i think there's there are these little hints even though he i think he wants to live up to the expectations mm-hmm. of his friends it's peer, lots of peer pressure that's causing him to do things or say things like not deep not even deep down within i think the real him is very respectful mm-hmm. he's very caring mm-hmm. but I think you're right. Like the directors did a great job. The writers slash directors, they did a great job in in allowing us to almost have this roller coaster ride with him. Yes. Until we get kind of to the very end where we are we look at him and we say, Wow, this guy's actually a good guy. Yeah. So yeah. It's funny. This is one of those this is one of those shows where in the beginning I'm like Nancy's too good for Steve Harrington. And then at the end, I'm like, Steve Harrington is too good for Nancy. <laughs> I just like, they really did a great job, like, swapping that, like, mm. perception that we have of him. And I really like that. Mm. Nancy, I'm such a weird, I don't know. I, I <laughs> don't really like Nancy, mostly because the Barb situation. Mm. I don't like that she sits there and she's like, Barb, I need you to be here for me. Like, she's she uses Barb. And I think that really angers me mm. because it's like, she was just, she didn't want to go to the party alone. You mm. know, like, she didn't want to go alone. So she made Barb go with her and then mm. Barb is like, fifth wheeling it. Mm. And then Barb gets eaten. Mm. So I'm like, way to go, Nancy. Way yeah. to go. Then she, okay, we Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that in, in the second season. <laughs> yeah, we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to be like, ah! <laughs> Nancy, for me, represents what being a normal person is like, in mm-hmm. a sense. And, okay, maybe not a normal person, but a, a good person. Mm. Initially, she represents the good, sweet person. Yeah. And I think there's a more down-to-earth, real story around a sweet person. Mm. Where there's those ups and downs. There, there's an evil in, mm. in, I mean, in all of us, in every single person. But I think for for me, I think they did a great job in presenting this. Oh, she's sweet. But then it's like, no, she's actually like crazy. Mm. She's actually crazy. So, yeah. Or it's, like wants to do it's, what it's, she can to like fit in. To fit in. Like she clearly really likes Steve. She really likes him. But she lies a lot. I mean, she lied to go to Steve's party. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she lied about like studying. Like... You know, Steve's sneaking into her bedroom. Like, yeah. She actually wants to keep this persona of being like the, like what you said, like the sweet girl, the perfect girl mm-hmm. so much. But like, that's not really who she is. Mm-hmm. And I think even her relationship with her mom, she's close with her mom. Yeah. You can see that even the way they talk and her reason for going to the party was 
don't make me look bad. Yeah. And you can see her mom started to cave in. And you're like, okay, you guys are pretty close. You have that kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. But the dad, okay, we, let's not even. He, he's I an, can't even he's, talk about the wheelers because <laughs> I just despise them so much. It's it's so bad. The but, parents, the parents, the parents. But I think she is under. She feels the pressure of being good, mm. being this really like talented smart person i think there's that pressure saying hey be good be sweet be mm-hmm. this and i think that as steve is kind of prying at her a little bit and he's being sweet and he's he's almost changing the narrative that she maybe thought she would like like what she thought maybe of steve mm. but she goes like yes so cliche yes so this yes so that and i think he shows respect in moments where maybe a guy would force himself mm. and try and make get his own way yeah he flips the script on her and then she flips the script on him mm-hmm. and i think it's such an interesting storytelling yeah. that they do there where i mean that's just being people mm-hmm. you know and i think that was great so what do we think about jonathan is he creepy <laughs> <laughs> is he creepy <laughs> oh jonathan fires jonathan why was he taking those pictures so he went to the woods to mm-hmm. see where the bike was. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. taking photos. Yeah. And then he hears the screaming. And he yes. runs to the screaming. Mm-hmm. And they're all in the pool. Uh-huh. Like having fun at Steve's party. Mm-hmm. But then he starts taking photos. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that's mad away. and creepy. Like, yeah, that's, that's so, so creepy. creepy. It's so I creepy. mean, it works to our benefit later on. But in the moment, I'm like, dude, what were you doing? Yeah. And I mean, Steve had every reason to be angry yeah. at him, which we'll see later. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, I, I don't have an excuse for him. I don't. I actually don't have an excuse for him. He has some creepy <laughs> tendencies. Yeah. But I also feel for him because, again, like, I think it's difficult mm. to be from a broken home. And especially to have a brother mm. that's that much younger than you. Like, there's probably a 10-year age difference, I would say. That's a huge gap. Mm-hmm. There's a pretty big difference. And mm-hmm. I think he... Probably has to step into positions that mm. normally a teenager doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, he took up another shift and that was mm. when Will disappeared because he was like, yeah, we could use the money. And his mom's like, no, like, it's more important to watch Will. But he's like, he's thinking we need the money. We need money. Mm. So it's like, I think that he has to be in a role that he doesn't he wouldn't normally be in. And and on mm. top of that, like, I do think that. Him and Will seem to be more on the creative side, Mm. which I think in men tends to be like poo pooed a little bit. Like Mm -hmm. if women like taking photos, if women like doing certain things, Mm. like it's almost seen as more of like a girly thing, which is weird because you have lots of very creative men in the world. Mm. But for whatever reason, when you're a teenager, like Mm. if you show those that like side that like that more almost like sensitive side, Mm. like you're perceived as like less of a man. Mm. Mm. And I think that happened to Jonathan. Yes, I I, th- I think that's true. With with Jonathan, I think that definitely that the dad is is very manly, like the toxic yeah version Lonnie. of manly. Mm-hmm. Lonnie is very like toxic, and he's pretty respected in the town mm-hmm. because they all go Lonnie's kid. Yeah, Lonnie's that's kid. Lonnie's kid. So Jonathan is in this weird position where he chose his mom. Yeah. Over his dad. Yeah. 
you can see that because Lon is going like, come, come, uh, you know, whatever, come to the city or something mm-hmm. crazy like that. And I think that, I think that Lonnie made him feel weird and yes. made Will feel weird. Yeah. And I think also that the town and and people around, are, you know, and I'm sure in the 80s, it was seen that way where people would, would say bad stuff about about creatives yeah you know where it's like yeah you're queer yeah Yeah. you're queer you're gay you're this and when when really it's like yeah that's that's also being a man you know it's like you can be a man and you can love to take photos i love to take photos yeah and and that is something that i think they ask they they find clever ways to speak about some pretty real things, mm-hmm. especially in that situation. But at the same time, why are you taking photos of people at a party? Yeah, no, it's that, weird. That it, was weird. That part, like... That part made me be like, like <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Jonathan. Like, at, fir- at first, I really felt for him. I was like, wow, like, he, he's he got it hard. Like, he was handed a, a tough hand of mm. life. Like, that was very difficult. But then he was, like, taking pictures of them at the mm. party. And, like, they're mm. in the pool. And then, like... You know, Nancy's, like, up in her room, like, taking her clothes off. And they're, like, he's mm-hmm. still taking photos. I'm, mm-hmm. like, Jonathan, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that was also their way to show mm-hmm. that Jonathan's into Nancy. I think they needed to show that it was more than just, like, oh, he casually knows Nancy because Will is friends mm-hmm. with Mike. Like, mm-hmm. he actually is, like, into her. Mm-hmm. Coming back to Nancy, even with Jonathan, she's very kind to him. They literally just like they created, <laughs> they created these like loops yeah. where, where it's like you're oh you're you're the good guy oh no you're the you're bad oh you're good yeah. it's so confusing and I think they almost want you to let go of any any like assumptions yeah I think they did a great job with these characters mm-hmm. of going like don't assume anything here especially yeah. with the teenagers yes they're going like don't assume just go with it yeah just let it happen yeah just, just go <laughs> yeah are you ready to move on to the kids <laughs> i'm excited to go with the kids okay do you have a kid that you want to start with okay i want to do dustin last i love dustin <laughs> <laughs> we're big dustin fans <laughs> do dustin last let's start with lucas lucas he literally starts off as my worst he's a little snot in this show <laughs> And he's he gets mean. better though. He's mean. Yeah, he's mean. He's like flat out mean to Al yeah. the whole time. Yeah. And so he's definitely my worst right now. I get it though, because it's it's one of those things where it's like, I think that Lucas is very logical, mm. just in the way that that they kind of introduce them all. Like they're playing D and D, and he's the one who's like attack, attack, attack. Like he's. I think the more logical one mm-hmm. where he lays it out like our objective is to save Will. Mm-hmm. We want to save Will. Mm-hmm. L is a distraction. Stop getting distracted by her. Mm-hmm. Like, no, we are. We're finding Will. So I get like I do get his anger because I feel like he kind of sees that like mm. Mike is so clearly like caught up in L that mm. he's like, you're losing the objective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and I think he feels a little threatened as well. Yeah. I agree. So that's probably why he's being mean as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then there is Mike. Mike. Mike, 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 Little Mike. Mike. <laughs> he's emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I like Mike, though. He's very understanding. Like, I like very, that he... Very, very. I like 
the interactions that he has with L. Mm. where he's like explaining things mm. and i really like the day when he stays home from school and he's like showing her all the things the house he's like this is the lazy boy that's where my dad sleeps <laughs> yeah. are you even a dad if you don't fall asleep in your lazy boy in your lazy boy <laughs> i love and then the tv and then i was just like oh my gosh this whole my growing up these are the kind of tvs that we yeah. watched this is the lazy boys the yeah you know just everything was just so old and i loved it but i think mike is so kind yeah he's very kind he's a little annoying like a little annoying he's a little annoying especially as the season goes on second season a whole lot annoying Ugh. but i can't handle him in <laughs> but yeah like He's kind. He's a kind kid. Kind. And I love his acting at the mm-hmm. beginning. Like, his acting is good. Especially when Dungeons and Dragons. I didn't know he Dungeons and Dragons could be so exciting. Yeah, when he does he's it, like, Wait, he's a really good dungeon master. I love board games. I just never got into Dungeons and Dragons. But watching Mike do his thing, I was like, I want to be part of that. I want to do that. You know, only with Mike doing it. <laughs> Mike has to do it. No, he's really good. He's really good. I, I was, I loved it. Yeah. I really liked the use of Dungeons and Dragons to kind of be the metaphor for the rest of the series where mm. we've got the upside down and yes. we've got all of that. Yes. I think they did such a good job showing that. And mm. when Elle comes and she flips the board over yes. and then she puts the mage, which is Will, mm. next to Demogorgon, I think it really showed like, there's a monster coming for him. Mm-hmm. Like a, a very powerful monster. Because mm-hmm. in the very first scene, we see that like mm. when the Demogorgon comes, like it's a huge deal. He he had to roll so many dice to even be able to like he see did. what, like if he could beat him. Mm. And I also like that mm. he did choose, Will chose to fight, which I think shows you mm. about his character. And mm. when I'm jumping ahead to Will now, mm. but when Will sees the monster in the middle of the road and he crashes his bike and then he runs to his home. Mm. What's the first thing he goes for? He goes for the gun. Like, he runs straight out, gets the gun, he goes to defend himself. And I think that that made me think, like, he has to be alive. Like, I don't Mm. know how he got into the upside down. I don't know how Mm. he's going to get back. But, like, he's going to survive because he's a fighter. Mm. Like, he is clearly a fighter. Mm. And clearly, somebody needs to buy a safety thing for their guns. (laughs) I don't think they thought about that in the eighties. <laughs> I don't think so either. But I'm like, I'm like, flip that kid just took out a gun. I mean, good for him, like for trying to defend himself. But I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, that's easy access. Mm-hmm. But but I think I think that it was really cool to see his fighting spirit. The fact that he survived that long, yeah, that's like mind-boggling. Like because we. My my question even yesterday when we watched it was how did he survive? So how the demogorgon works, and this is just my theory on this, is that it grabs you, drops you, almost drops you, but it it's in a different place. It's not. Yeah, he it doesn't. You it doesn't like fall. Down. It doesn't fall with you and then immediately eats you. It drops you into the upside down and then comes and gets you, kind of. Yeah. So it's almost like you land at different locations just a little bit. So Will definitely had enough time to run off and hide somewhere. Yeah. And and they do say like Will's good at hiding. Like Jonathan does mention that. Mm. He's like 
he's really good at hiding. So since the upside down does look basically the same, mm. I think that's like kind of crazy. I was also thinking like, how is Will calling his mom? He must just be like picking up the phone and like calling his house, I guess. That's a good question. Maybe he is. Maybe he is calling from. Maybe he finds a phone and calls. I think he finds the phone in the upside down. And he just calls and his just house. Just calling, yeah. And he's calling his Maybe house. The exact same phone. Yeah. Wow. And I think it. Ke- I think the phone keeps getting fried because like, it's interdimensional. Like mm. this is actually another dimension. Like he's mm. in another dimension, and there's only like a thin veil, like holding mm. in between. Mm. This show definitely has a lot of depth to it and things that Mm. I didn't really notice the first time around because Mm. I was so anxious the whole Mm. time Mm. that you kind of have to go back and watch it again to see a lot of the, like, cleverness of it Mm. and what's happening. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I I do think the first time around I got, like, too caught up in it and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, are they even going to survive? That I didn't really... (laughs) I didn't really spend time thinking, like... They're literally in a different dimension. Like, he's literally mm. in a different dimension, and he's calling his mom. Mm. That was intense. And then realizing that it, the, he's doing the lights. Yeah. And everything. All of that is, it's all him. Mm-hmm. That's crazy for me. Like, I thought the lights was a real, like, clever way to show, like, there's something kind of creepy, crazy going around. Mm-hmm. Like, even at, in the very beginning scene, when they're all leaving uh, Mike's house on mm. their bikes, like, all their lights are flickering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On their bikes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you want to do L or dust? L is for the... No, <laughs> <laughs> no Shalom. <laughs> I don't know how oh, I man. went on that road. L, when she showed up, I was like, what is happening? Mm. Like, she's in this, like, weird gown and, like, mm. everything. And I think that is also when kind of reflects on Brenner. It's like, she's not in normal clothes. Mm. Like, they have her in a hospital gown. She is a subject at the end of the day. And, like, she yes, is. she calls him Papa. But, mm. like, like they don't even give her a normal vocabulary. Like, Lucas mm. is, like, she says the same amount of words as your little sister to Mike. And it's, like, wow. Mike's sister is, like, three years old. And she has more words than Elle does. And it's, mm. like, I was, like, wow, they really don't treat her like human. They don't they give don't. her a way to communicate. They treat her as a weapon. Yeah. It's, it's Yes. Completely a tool. Point and fire. Yeah. Hmm. Her acting is phenomenal as well. Yes. She she does a great job. Like, amazing. Amazing. Because looking at just how the storyline goes, mm-hmm. being able to act that out, you have to be a great actor. Yeah. You have to be. So I'm very impressed by that. I'm also impressed by how they show her powers. I remember when Mike talks about yoda and how yoda can move stuff yeah. in his mind <laughs> you know because we we know what happens over yeah. time looking at how l responds to that you're like flip like she she's it yeah she can move stuff with her mind yeah i like how they did that i like how they they really took time to really show what she can do her powers mm-hmm. they didn't do it immediately even yeah. when she's interacting with benny yeah you she's, just see her a stop normal the fan. kid yeah she stops the fan though she, do- the oh, fan's she making does the making the weird sound and she stops it and that's the first second that you're like okay okay yes, there's right. more to her than wow. just like yes. a kid with like a buzzed haircut and like in a hospital gown like there's more here yes you're right about that mm-hmm. yeah i think they did a great job in not overdoing her 
mm-hmm. the beginning, mm-hmm. she's powerful. Yeah. But they didn't just go like, let's just show up how she is yeah. immediately. They give you hints, which is really the tone of the first two episodes is you're, you're questioning a lot. Mm-hmm. As you're watching it, you're going, is this for real? Is yeah. this metaphorical? Yeah. Is this what's going on? Like, are we really experiencing a supernatural, mm-hmm. you know, show? Or is this more mental, you know? Yeah. And, and I think you begin to see those little things and they don't overdo it. They're giving you bits and pieces. And I think it was a really great setup for her over those two episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know if I was going to like Elle or not. Because mm. she do, like she doesn't talk. And it's interesting to find yourself in a situation where you have to like relate to a character who doesn't speak. Mm. Mm. Because we learn so much from just like talking mm. that I thought that that was like a really interesting mm. kind of thing to touch on. Mm. Yeah, and I thought her hand motions, that was yeah. good. Like where she talks about no bad men are coming yeah and she points the gun yeah the gun then the way okay let's jump back to mike for a second and then the way mike does it with his friends i was impressed i was like flip this kid is a good actor yeah where he goes like bad man i'm like what that's so cool but i think it shows though the relationship between Elle and mike Mm -hmm. how he is actually very understanding of her yeah he he might Somehow he manages to hear the the little that she says and and understand a lot. Yes, he's. I noticed he's really good at asking her questions. Mm-hmm. I really like the part when they're looking at the trophies and she sees the picture of Will, because again, this mm. is one of those things where I was like, I didn't really get it the first time around, but it's like she would have been in the upside down when Will was in the upside down, mm. and so that's how she saw him. Mm. Like she saw him in that area, and I was like, "Wow! Like that's that's actually so crazy." When you go back and you watch it again, and like mm. you kind of see these connections. Yes. Wow. So now, Dustin, Dustin. <laughs> do you want a slice of pizza? <laughs> <laughs> Something happened to your sister. <laughs> She's a jerk. <laughs> oh, he's funny. Where did they find that kid? Like, okay, I don't think he's a great actor. I really don't. I think he acts himself. He definitely acts. Himself. He acts himself, but. That smile. It's so cute. That <laughs> smile. I'm like. <laughs> uh, he's funny. I think. I don't want to jump too far ahead. But mm. I think they really explore his character more in season two. Mm. But in season one, I think he, he's a really good. He's like the heart of mm. the team. Like, I mm. think he's like the heart. Like, he mm. is the one that, like, gets everybody kind of like pumped up and being like we can be a team like yeah. he's that kid like he's yeah. definitely he's got that side to him mm. he's he kills me though just with his like curiosity mm. and everything like he's also the smart one like they're all nerdy but i think he's the smartest mm. of them definitely you you would assume that mike mike and will and and lucas actually lucas as well are the smart ones and mm-hmm. he's kind of like the goofy one who's, who's yeah. tagging along. Yeah. The, that's kind of what it looks like, but he's actually very, very, very smart. Yeah. I agree. I mm. agree. He um he actually says something in this show that I thought was really interesting. He was talking about how Will wants his X-Men one three four. Mm. And so I looked I looked it up because I was like, there's so many metaphors in here, like what is X-Men one three four? 
And that is the beginning of the Dark Phoenix saga. Wow. So if you don't know what that is, so basically Jean Grey gets hit with this cosmic force called the Phoenix. In the X-Men. Yeah, in X-Men. Yeah. She gets hit with this cosmic force. Wow. Called the Phoenix. And it's like this monster, right? And it like lives inside of her, but it gives her crazy, crazy powers. Wow. Crazy powers. Wow. So she like saves the world. And there's this guy called Mastermind who like notices that her power and he uses her. Wow. And then he basically like brainwashes her and like uses her mm. for all his time. And then that unleashes Phoenix, the monster thing that lives inside of her. Wow. So there's definitely, I think they use this as like a parallel kind of to L because it starts with Will disappearing and the episode mm. ends with L showing up. And I think that was a reference to, mm. like, someone who has psychic powers. If you're mm. familiar with Jean Grey, you know that she's psychic. She can mm. do things with her mind. And that's exactly what Elle can do. Mm. And also, Elle was seen for her power and used by a bad man. Yeah. To, for her powers. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And Unleashes mm. a monster because of it. Mm. I mean, her monster doesn't live within her. Elle's monster doesn't live within her. Yeah. The Demogorgon is outside, but yes, yeah. Wow, so I thought that's, that was interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, that's very. They do. They 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 talk about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Merkwood, Merkwood, mm. um, and and I think uh, Star Wars. It's like nerd center. It's it like, is nerd center. You know, I it's really there's a lot. It. There's a lot of great great stuff in there. Oh yeah. Yeah, I like. I really like the reference to Merkwood. Mm. And like the Hobbit, because again, I think that that gives you background to these mm. characters. It gives mm. you background to the kids who are like, mm. <laughs> who are like super nerdy. Yeah. Because who, who else would reference like the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings in like yeah. a real life scenario? <laughs> yeah. But I also like it because that kind of gives us a vibe for that forest itself, because mm. that is the forest that um, Sauron takes over mm-hmm. and makes it evil like it's where the elves live but it's Mm. taken over by someone bad yes so i think that that gives us like a really cool feel of the town as well Mm -hmm. like so this was a good area and then the something bad came in yes and took over yes so even if the kids don't really know that that's what they're referencing like as a storyteller that's what we're being told Mm. yes wow so clever it's very clever writing oh my word Right. On that nerdy note, let us do themes. Themes. So my theme comes from the scene where Jonathan and Will are sitting in the bedroom together and they're listening to The Clash Mm. and... Joyce is fighting with Lonnie on the phone like Mm. you're supposed to come and like hang out with Will and Jonathan says to him you shouldn't like things because people tell you that you should like them wow and first of all like I thought that that was very true to just this Mm. series Mm. because these kids are all outcasts and by the time that we hit the end like they literally saved the day because they are outcasts and because of their nerdy knowledge and what they know, they actually save the day. Mm. But I also just think, like, that's such a good thing to think about in general. 
where it's like just because people tell you that you should like something doesn't mean that you should like it and i think that that's like a life lesson as Mm. as kids like i think growing up there's so much pressure to like fit in and be cool like Mm. we were kind of talking about that earlier with nancy and barb where barb's like this isn't you it's not it's not what you like doing and yeah (laughs) basically like nancy's like shut up barb like let me do what i want (laughs) (laughs) but i just i like that overall like you know be you and maybe that's millennial of me (laughs) (laughs) yeah i definitely resonate with that especially with the photography and creativity because i'm Mm -hmm. a creative you know musician amateur photographer singer songwriter (laughs) you know i'm like creativity on fleek but i think that sometimes people like me especially when i was younger Mm. it was like you weren't cool yeah you know they they, we're now like i think we're living in a time now where it's becoming more acceptable to be creative and to be with instagram and youtube and all of that oh my word yeah everyone wants to be a creative now like everyone wants to do photography and it's so different than when we were yeah and i think that's great i think it's great that you have a lot of people who who want to explore the arts and to use their gifts Mm -hmm. and their talents they still there's still that conflict where it's like okay like how you you can't like that can be a job or that can be a career and it's mm-hmm. usually looked down on. But you're right. Who cares what people think? Mm-hmm. You know, be you and do your thing. I think I think my theme is understanding and I don't even know how, how exactly to call it, but I love how Mike listened to Al mm-hmm. and not only listened to her, but managed to take what Al was saying and say it to his friends. Yeah. That was impressive. And even say it in a way that was like, whoa, that was such a great representation of what Al is trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think it's a good challenge to us to say, hey, like, when 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 situation where not just language, but even culture or where someone mm-hmm. is, you has a different way of communicating, are we actually saying, okay, I'm going to be patient. And I'm going to understand what you're saying so that... I hear you out and then have a conversation. You know what I mean? So that's that's kind of that's kind of my thought process with that. It's it's I found that I found it impressive. It was a good challenge for me. Mm. I'm not perfect at it at all. Yeah. But I think that it's so important to, to yeah, to try and, and, and do that. So. Yeah, I think that's a really good challenge, especially as I feel like as big as the world is, it's almost like getting smaller with with social media and all mm. of that. Like it's so easy to be speaking to people who live all the way across the world and so, yeah. and that there's not necessarily one correct way to process something mm-hmm. and that based on whatever you come from like whatever mm-hmm. your background is mm-hmm. that you could actually in taking the time to talk or talk and try to understand or mm-hmm. maybe not talk like whatever <laughs> it looks like i'm thinking about mike and l mm-hmm. you know lucas just jumps to the conclusion like she's irrelevant Whereas mm-hmm. Mike is like, no, she's not irrelevant. Like, she's could help us. Mm-hmm. Like, let's try to team mm-hmm. up with her instead. Mm-hmm. And if she hadn't done that, mm-hmm. if Mike hadn't taken the time, then the ending wouldn't have happened. And it wouldn't have happened. That's and they so wouldn't true. have found well. They wouldn't have gotten mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. that's definitely something interesting to mm-hmm. think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that definitely Mike's approach is what keeps the show going mm-hmm. and 
re- eventually rescues Will from the Upside Down. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to round it up. Our very first episode of Hawkins Talkins. Hawkins Talkins. Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be posting a new episode every Thursday, like mm. usual. Mm. So next week we'll be on season one, episode three and four for chapter two of Hawkins Talkins. Yay. Um, please don't forget, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to us if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. And write a review. Yes, please. We, it we makes us it. more visible to people. Mm-hmm. So in you doing that, it will... We have to mess with the algorithms, people. Like, yeah. there's so much weird computer stuff that happens <laughs> with podcasts, with social media. Uh, so in you interacting more with us by writing a review and mm. or even just rating us, that actually gets us more visibility with other people who mm-hmm. listen to podcasts that are similar to mm-hmm. ours. Absolutely. Absolutely. We needed people. We needed. Please. Please. <laughs> so awesome. So thank you for joining us on this almost nerdy journey. 